Charlia. Welcome to Good Luck Charlie. Just like you, I'm on the journey of self-discovery and am daily trying to learn what it means to find balance, create lifelong friendships, chase my dreams and invest in my future. So here's what I'm learning and loving on this crazy path of life. I'm so glad you decided to join me. Hey, 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 everyone. I hope you are doing well. I hope you've had a fabulous week. I hope that you know you are loved. I hope you know that your life is going to be amazing and that the possibilities are endless to what you get up to. I hope you know that you deserve a job that makes you happy. And I hope you know that the conversation that you're about to listen to is going to be so awesome. And if you are interested in being a psychologist, that it will answer a lot of your questions This interview has been a long, long time coming. Since I started doing the Future Me episodes, I have wanted to interview a psychologist, but I just didn't know know anyone who was super keen and jumping at the guns to record this episode. But finally, the wonderful Shannon came into my life and she is actually sisters with the person I interviewed for the lawyer slash medicine Future Me episode. So... You should definitely listen to that episode as well if you haven't. But yes, welcome to the podcast. Welcome if this is your first time. This is a place where I would like to think that I help people get answers to their questions about different careers or industries that they're interested in. And today's industry or career is obviously psychology, as you could tell by the title. So if you are interested in being a psychologist, if you are interested in maybe even seeing a psychologist for yourself or interested in maybe your friend is a psychologist and you want to know exactly what that means or what their experience each day is like, then this truly is the perfect episode for you. So I really hope you enjoy. Thank you to Shannon. And also on that note, Shannon also has a podcast called A Different Kind of Gap Year. And it's all about people and individuals who have struggled with burnout and career burnout or compassion fatigue and the way that they have managed and dealt through that. So if that is something that you are interested in or have had experience with, definitely go and check out a different kind of gap year. I think that will provide you with a lot of answers or even just help you feel seen and heard if that is something that you are struggling with. But anyway, without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy. I hope it answers your questions. And yes, thank you so much to Shannon for coming on the episode. Here we go. Woo woo. Good morning, Talia. Good morning, Shannon, and thank you so, so much for being here today and for all your time and willingness to answer my questions and also the questions of so many people around me who are also interested in psychology. Very, very excited for where this conversation goes and to find out more. Um, Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited and a little bit nervous, um, but um, mostly excited to to, um, help out, to share my story. So cool. No, you smash it. You do not need to be nervous. But to help gain a bit of an understanding about who you are and how you got to the place where you are today, I was hoping you Mm -hmm. could just give a little bit of a summary and a step-by-step of your life slash career path from high school until now. And as part of that, explain what initially drew you to psychology. Wow, such a such a big, big question. Big, big question. But yes, I'll I'll do my best to to certainly summarize that. Well, I mean, f- yeah, like starting back at high school. So essentially, I had no clue what yeah. I wanted to do. Actually, what I thought I wanted to do in uh, high school was become a police officer. Uh, and so I started to go down that route in terms of subject selection um, to be able to get into the university degree that would help support um, my application into the police force, wow. which yeah, back then was uh, it's different now because we're talking 20 odd years ago. 
but it was recommended to do a Bachelor in Justice Administration. So that was the path I was headed. Uh, but that came to a screeching, well, not a screeching halt, <laughs> but I <laughs> I became unsure about that path in uh, year 12 and wanted to take actually a gap year back then. But mm-hmm. there was pressure to to actually do something, to go um, mostly from my family mm-hmm. uh, because it was seen that if you took a gap year, you're less likely to... Uh, get a career mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or have a career. So there was a lot of pressure to go. So I did, but I eventually, um, I did go down. Um, I did go to uni, but I ended up um, failing out um, in the first six months because, oh. well, basically it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so um, so that was a huge, big time in my life, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but um, for about three or four years, maybe five years, it's blurry, the timeline, I was working and um, I did a bit of study and administration um, work, um, but I was just basically sort of finding my feet mm-hmm. uh, and and just working to, you know, obviously pay the bills and um, I travelled a bit, but I... Um, I always, this is the story I tell my clients until um, when it becomes relevant, my um, psychology clients, mm. I I came into, I was actually working for Coffee Club and I was serving a, a she was a regular customer, her and her husband, and she told me she was studying psychology mm. and one day, and she's a lady, back then she was a lady in her 50s roughly, and yeah, I just became intrigued and we talked a lot about her studies and um, when she'd come in and it just really intrigued me. I was like, oh, human behavior. Like, wow. and, and I was baffled by it myself, like why people do the things they do. And yeah. anyway, it was really her and the conversations with her and a connection with me that, oh, hey, I'm interested in this stuff. And so I um, decided to apply for university. I think I was probably around 22, 23, maybe. And yeah, I started, I got in to an undergrad uh, or bachelor of um, science major in psychology and, and it, and it just kind of grew from there. I I just kept enjoying what I was studying. Uh, I was doing well at it. So yeah, anyway, I, um, you know, just kept going with it and uh, I got into, to actually become a psychologist, you have to, at least you have to get into honours and complete your honours year, which is your fourth year. Yes. Um, And I came down to Brisbane to do that because I was up in Cairns Mm. and moved to Brisbane, did that. Then I, um, to actually become a psychologist, you have to do more. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. So you get your undergrad with honours. You've got to get a really high GPA to then actually be able to get into postgraduate study if you decide to go that way. Back then, which is not relevant now, it's changed, but back then there was two pathways. You either went postgraduate, which was a two-year master's Mm -hmm. in uh, psychology, uh, or you were supervised on the job. Now there's multiple pathways, which I won't, like, there's quite a few um which is great it gives you options there's still the supervised practice but that is a a, a lot more harder to come by these days um most of it's postgraduate pretty much you'll be expected to do a postgrad course to be a practicing psychologist anyway I did I um I took a year off in between the undergrad honors and then um getting into postgrad I was working as a case manager just getting a bit of experience with it all just making sure 
about what pathway to go. And anyway, I ended up applying for postgrad and got into masters in clinical psychology at Griffith mm-hmm. in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then. I did that part-time because I had to pay the bills. So yeah. that took me five years to yeah. um, complete. And then I ended up in, um, uh, well, ended up. Uh, I pretty much have been working in private practice since getting my uh, full registration as a psychologist. Um, so uh, seeing clients, mo- um, I mostly work with adult clients and um, so 16 and above uh, is the lowest age group that I see um, and, you know, the oldest I've seen is probably 80 plus and mostly working, um, seeing people with a variety of conditions but mostly those uh, that meet eligibility for a mental health treatment plan through their GP often end up seeing them. So depression, anxiety conditions, trauma, substance abuse, a bit of that. But, yeah, mostly been in private practice and and group work as well as individual. So, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, private practice would be my predominant um, work that the last eight years because it was 2013 that I got my um, full registration as a psych so I could practice on my own. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that would be, I suppose, in a nutshell, the hopefully I've filled in the step. (laughs) It is a huge process though. And I, what I love about what you did, and I'll ask if this was hard to do, is that you kind of did take your time with it a little bit more. And I feel, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to just kind of do things as fast as you can and go straight from high school to study, straight from study to your postgrad, et cetera, et cetera. But I kind of liked that you took, took more time to do that. Did you feel pressure to do it quickly or was it kind of just the circumstances you did what you could do? Um, maybe a bit of both. Like, I mean, I certainly felt the pressure in my early tw- um, late teens, early 20s um, to actually know what the hell I wanted to do. Yeah. And that was really hard, like prior to actually realising psychology was an interest for me and, and following that pathway. Um, that was really hard and I really felt the expectation. Mm-hmm. But I think through that experience, it really helped me when I came to do psychology that um, I didn't feel, and it was a while ago now, but I don't think I felt the pressure to get it done really quickly. I think because my mental health really suffered early in my life, not just because of not knowing what I wanted to do, but lots of other things that I learnt the lesson of um, taking my time. And that's why not just because financially I couldn't afford to do postgrad full time, but also because I knew my mental health, um, uh, my health in general, not just mm-hmm. mental health, just mm-hmm. my health in general would not have, it would not have been good for me to do postgrad full time coming from, I did my undergrad and honours full time. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, especially honours year was really, really tough um, on, on me and on, most students <laughs> so I wasn't alone there that taking that year and then doing postgrad uh part-time was was a real thought out conscious decision to for myself and yeah. not and I didn't feel the prep oh. <laughs> by then I didn't get the pressure from other people because I don't know why I didn't feel actually actually that's a lie I did there was a bit of pressure I remember from the actual uh, university itself, oh, wow. they did okay. not, yeah, they did not really like taking on students part-time, although they offered 
part-time and it's advertised off, offering part-time, they only back then, I'm not sure of the situation now, they would only allocate two of the postgraduate spots, which I think back then there was only 20 anyway yeah. in take each year. Um, they'd only offer two of those to part-time. So there was pressure in the interview uh, process at every stage because there was multiple stages mm -hmm. of interview to get in that, oh, you know, they would go like, uh, do you think you'd be able to do it full time? You know, would you be able to, you know, uh, I don't wow. think they suggested it, like move home or do something, you know. It's like, um, you know, they really, and I was really, uh, and I think because I was older by then, I was kind of 30s, learned a lot about myself, or late 20s, early 30s, that I was kind of like, nope. Yeah, you <laughs> like, knew what you part needed. Time, it's part time or nothing. Mm. No, I think that's, <laughs> I say that. yeah, I think that's a really good skill to have and really, helpful to know mm. that about yourself from a young age but kind mm. of on that note if you were to give one piece of advice or say something to those 20 22 year olds who still have no idea what they're doing probably feel a little bit like they're drifting a little bit hopeless and even yeah. themselves questioning well am I going to find what I want to do is there something out there for me what would you say from your own experience what piece of advice or what what would you say exactly to those people I'd say, well, first of all, it's okay you feel this way. It's normal. <laughs> More people out there than you know feel this mm -hmm. way. Um, you know, obviously myself included. Uh, I know my husband right now, he, he's in his 40s and you say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I still have no clue. <laughs> like basically it's okay that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And and to the second would be give yourself the space and the time. It will come or, or you know, just... But, but give yourself the space. Don't don't pressure yourself to know. Um, try think that the third step, like so, you know, like yeah, it's okay. It's okay that you feel this way. Give yourself the space and time. And third, just try. I, yeah. I've only learnt recently, to be honest. I didn't learn this back then. Mm -hmm. To experiment with life, to experiment mm -hmm. with things, try things out. I mean, what I love about your podcast, um, Talia, and what you're doing is that you're finding out about different um, yeah. careers and different ways. So that kind of thing, experiment, find out, talk. You'll you'll eventually find a well, I think, you know, I, I have to believe this, that you find something you're interested in. I found that, hey, I don't mind this psychology thing. I'm interested in human behaviour. Mm -hmm. When I had a chat with that, uh, you know, uh, I was about to say colleague, customer of mine who became a good, you know, she was, yeah. we became friendly. You know, it's just look out for what you're interested in, what what sparks you. It may not be a big kind of chemical spark, yeah. but just something that you go, oh, that's interesting. And go with that for a while. It might lend to a career. It may just lend to a hobby. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But, you know, just go with it. Yeah. That would be it. my advice. Yeah. Basically sums up the whole point of my podcast. So I, I can yeah. I can be done now. <laughs> I can <finish. laughs> That's what I love about your podcast, yeah. Holly. Like, Thank you. It is that. It's a lot of experimentation, exploration. Mm -hmm. And that is like... I, I say the word perfect, but that is <laughs> yeah. great. You know, it's it's great. It's, it's really... I think life should be experienced and mm -hmm. experimented and and you know we don't have to know everything and we're not necessarily meant to know everything including our careers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I wish I all kind yeah. of <laughs> true definitely think people are starting to learn that and realize that which is a good kind of cultural oh. shift very cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yes. now moving on a little bit to some more specifics for those who don't have a super clear understanding of what it means to be a clinical psychologist, mm. could you just briefly explain the job as if you were explaining it to an eight-year-old? 
Oh, oh, to an eight-year-old. Yeah. I like this, but it makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what comes to mind is that, you know, my job is to, you know, that I help people that, you know, people come to me uh, for help with their emotions, with their their thoughts, their beliefs, um, you know, that are going on for them. Um you know, they could be feeling sad or angry, um, you know, anxious, you know, um, and that they're having troubles with, with dealing with those feelings or, uh, and yeah, they come to me and I am able to provide help for them to, to be able to deal with those feelings, to deal with those thoughts, to deal with the situations that might be, you know, events Mm -hmm. that, um, that they've gone through that they, you know, need that, that they're experiencing those feelings with, then I can, yeah, provide them, yeah, with help, with care, um, with some strategies, which eight-year-old probably won't know what that means, but, but you know, like some yeah, skills, no, like learning how to, you know, build those blocks, so to say, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, no, you do well, well. you do well. But yeah, like, yeah, that, um, and I can, you know, do that, they come and see me on their own or they come to me as a group of people who are struggling, mm-hmm. you know, having trouble and, and I help out, you know, the whole group and, um, yeah, that's my job, essentially. <laughs> Basically an everyday superhero, <laughs> modern superhero. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at it. <laughs> um, so, so I know, and others don't, but we'll touch on this a little bit later, that you needed time off work due to burnout and compassion fatigue, etc. And we won't mm-hmm. talk about that too much. However, for those of you out there, if you are interested in knowing a little bit more about Shannon's journey with career burnout, you can listen to the podcast, A Different Kind of Gap Year, all about dealing with burnout and working through that and interviewing others who have experienced that. And I'm actually going to be interviewed on that straight after this about my experiences with burnout. So I'll let you all know when that episode comes out. But for today, we are really just going to focus on your experience as a clinical psychologist before you took some time off and mm-hmm. help any help answer any questions that psychologists-to-be have. Um, mm-hmm. And you should feel honored because every week I put a question box on Instagram for people to write in their questions and you received mm-hmm. the most questions ever. So I don't know what that says. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, so lots of people want to know a little bit more oh, wow. about what it means or people wow. who are in their undergrad and want to know more for the next few years. So, yeah. yeah, it's Fabulous. pretty cool. Yeah. So That's yes, cool. this episode was a long time coming. You came into my life at the right time to be interviewed. <laughs> Fantastic. Happy to help. Thank you. And so just to gain an overall understanding of what life as a clinical psychologist is, could you talk us through just a typical day in your life when you worked full time as a clinical psychologist? Yeah, well, a typical day um, I had, uh, I worked uh, for clinic days. So where I would see clients and I would work one day where there was no clients and that was all my administrative work. So a typical clinic day would uh, look like I would have, um, it would look like first I would uh, plan uh, for those sessions that I had that day. So a bit of pre-planning to what the focus or or the next thing for those sessions for those clients would be. Um, So that usually would you know, take my first hour of the day, Um, usually done over breakfast actually at home, (laughs) to be honest. Um, I would see six clients a day, sometimes, uh, well, 
you know, six sessions a day, three in the morning and three in the afternoon. They were 60 minutes in length uh, with uh, uh, 15 minutes in between where it was usually after a session with a client, I'd write notes mm-hmm. um, of the session and sort of just wrap things up before the next client. Uh, so, so yeah, it'd be mostly those clinic days were, you know, a bit of administration work just in terms of prep um, mm-hmm. and, and that post wrap up, seeing clients from various um, presentations, all very different. Um, you could have new clients as well, as well as regulars. Um, there could be crisis thrown in there as well uh, with, with at-risk clients, um, mm-hmm. phone calls and things like that, um, you know, uh, that wasn't that wasn't a, a you know common occurrence in terms of on additionally to your load for the day, but you might be answering emails, phone calls as well, um, in between those sessions too. Uh, and then um, yeah, that was you know would be a typical clinic day. And and the admin days just really were any overspill like uh, a clinical psych working in clinical practice, you're often writing reports back to your uh, referring, uh, the person who refers the client to you, which is often a GP or a psychiatrist, most of the time GP. Mm -hmm. So you're required to write reports, uh, which I found actually really helpful just from a clinical perspective of reviewing where you're at with a client. So for me, it was a bit of revision of the plan and where to from here with the client. So yeah, admin day was uh, a lot of report writing, but also professional development. That was another big thing Uh that, yeah, you know, following up on certain questions that gaps in knowledge that you had mm. or have with with clients so um and just to chuck another span in the works with working in or not spanner just another thing to put on top of that um because in often clinical psychologists in private practice you are uh you're not employed by the practice but you're a separate consultant so mm. i also had to do my own um uh, accountancy work um you know and you know uh, business wise uh, um yeah, your bass, your taxes, mm-hmm. but pretty easy things that um, you get your head around eventually. But yeah. um, there was that on admin days as well. But yeah, that that's a typical week, I suppose, of a, yeah. a clinical bike. Um, yeah. No, that's a very good summary and overview. You can, mm-hmm. I can like imagine it quite clearly in my head, which is useful. Oh, and supervision. That was another big thing. Um, uh, didn't occur every week, but, um, you know, we, we are required to be supervised. Uh, so this just requires... Um, you know, either with your peers or with someone you employ, a mentor, you know, someone senior to you that you, um, you know, see and debrief about clients that you need to debrief with, any anything you're unsure of, um, especially if there's any at-risk um, debriefing with them. Uh, so there was that involved as well um, yeah. on a needs basis as well as a regular basis to keep up with the uh, regulation requirements um, that... Um, yeah, uh, yeah, your registration requirements, sorry, yeah. And did you find that useful, though, having a supervisor and a oh, mentor and someone you could chat with? Oh, yes, yeah. by far. I just wish one of the things, if I could just say out there to anyone doing this, studying this or thinking of becoming this, is that should be a high priority. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only required to do 10 hours of supervision per year once fully registered. Okay, um, wow. It's more so when, yeah, it's more Not so when you're yet. a student psychologist but do it more often than you think you need. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's the thing that will help you stay sane um, and look after you. Yeah, is supervision by a good supervisor, yes, you know, getting a, yes. yeah. 
No, that's yeah. a really, really good tip. Useful to know. Uh-huh. And kind of on that, was there anything else that once you went into the job, you realized was quite different to what you thought it was going to be? So any kind of misconceptions or things that you weren't expecting, just that you can tell others so that they know to prepare for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was many, well, I suppose many things that were different from what I thought about psychology Mm. in my undergrad, I suppose. I mean, post-grad training really helped, I think, um, bust a lot of those myths. So before yeah. I became a fully registered and out there practicing, I think a lot of those were busted anyway. Uh, um, one of the big things that progress with your clients is going to be slower than you think it will be. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've found really hard with this career choice, but it's more because it, it my personality, it, it's, it's a, it brings a big gap is mm-hmm. I get a lot of my sense of um, accomplishment, accomplishment and worth, you know, through achievement mm-hmm. and uh, progress with mental health is slow. Uh, and what you think progress will look like is not, um, you know, like someone recovering from depression, for example, um, rather than focusing on that, make it look like, okay, that person with depression was able to get out of bed this morning yeah. and they've reported to you that over the last week since you saw them, they've been able to get out of bed earlier than what they've been in the last, you know, several months. Mm-hmm. That is progress. So you change the uh, the line, I suppose, The um, and I wish I knew that because um, that, that did um, impact me. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everyone, but that was certainly something I didn't expect. And, um, well, I didn't, yeah, expect um, it to be so slow, which is yeah. funny because I think about my own health and then I go, well, Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> anyway, about that too. <laughs> yeah, but that was hard. Uh, uh, there was something else that came up as well, like, um, oh, that what you think, um, I suppose I didn't expect the toll, like it's, that it um, can take on you to mm. be in the presence of someone's pain and suffering on a regular basis. Uh, like it, I thought, although I knew I could assume that that would be hard, I yeah. I didn't realise how hard it could be for some, not all psychs, you know, but that it, it was, I, and it was very subtle. Like I didn't, it wasn't on the surface. I noticed that that was impacting me. So mm. it, you know, just to be mindful, I wish I knew, just be a bit more strategic in how many clients I take on. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, in terms of just because being in the presence of someone's pain and suffering, although you're there to help and you're working through that with them and it's very, you know, practical and supportive and all that, that you're a human too and mm-hmm. it, it, it like there's some sort of osmosis happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it can take a toll and just to look after you, I suppose, I'm, not sure if I'm answering your original question. No, you are. That, well, but, you're also answering yeah. the next question I was going to ask. So you're <laughs> but there's, so, there's so many things I wish I knew. Oh, and the mm-hmm. biggest one, but I remember I remember a lecturer telling <laughs> us this in our O week for postgrad, yeah. is that um, being a clinical psychologist or being a psychologist is, or any type of psychologist, you're not you, it's you're not going to earn the big bucks it's not a lucrative yeah. career <laughs> just putting it out there it's not a lucrative career not that I thought that or went into it for that reason it can be it can, it can be I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it just depends on the areas area you go into and how many clients you can see and can actually t- you know, be able to see health in a healthy way mm-hmm. um 
but it's not a big money owner. Uh, but it is if it's the right career for you. It's 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 beyond money um, mm. in terms of rewarding. You know, uh, so yeah, don't do it for the money. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Good mm-hmm. advice. Well, I'm, I'm glad you had so many things to answer that question with because that'll be very yeah. helpful to anyone who mm-hmm. is studying it or considering it. I think, well, mm. again, this is the whole point of the podcast to know things that you mm. wished you knew when you went through just to make people's yeah. life a little bit easier or open their eyes a little bit more. So that is perfect. Yeah. And I said you answered mm. one of the questions I was going to ask, but I will ask it anyway just to see if there was something else specific that you wanted mm. to add. But I said, mm-hmm. how difficult do you or did you find it to separate your emotions and the, emotion, mm. the emotions of others? And did you often mm. find that you were taking your work home and carrying the weight of other people's struggles? And if yes, mm-hmm. which you kind of already alluded to, what kind mm. of tips and things did you discover mm-hmm. helped that? Yeah, yeah, great question. And yeah, like you said, I already started answering. Yes, I did. I did find it hard to separate. And, um, and, and I thought I'd, I the funny thing was, I did think I was doing a great job. And in some ways, I was, you know, mm-hmm. for eight years, or really 13 years, because post grad, you are seeing clients as part of your training. Yeah. It's all, yeah, so you know, 15 years. And prior to that, I did do counseling work. I was, um, yeah, counseling for some time before that. But anyway, so all those years, you know, um, you know that yeah, I um, I was yeah, coping well, and there's a lot of um, resources, I suppose that um, that helped with that. And yeah, to answer that part of the question, um, one of the things my brain is saying is compassion for myself. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, I in my thirties, I think it was early thirties, I discovered self compassion. Uh, through reading and um, my development as a psych um, because self-compassion is something um, that is really um, important for uh, people to have to help their mental health and overall health um, and well-being. Yeah, so I was learning it for my clients but realised I was lacking that and needed to upskill and Mm -hmm. employ that for myself. So, yeah, getting hold of, um, and Kristen Neff, I always recommend her work, um, self-compassion um, is important and paramount to helping you cope and helping you be able to respond to those feelings that you as a human being um, will feel as a result of being present with your your, your clients' um, pain and suffering. So bringing compassion towards those feelings because you're not going to be immune to them. You will feel the feels. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you do, compassion for yourself is something that will, will help you through and it's something I continue to employ and will continue to do for the rest of my life. Is mm-hmm. um, It's not something I'm perfect at. No one yeah. is, but... Um, I still have room for improvement. So compassion. Um, one of the other things is, and I didn't do this well myself, but I'm putting it out there for you guys to do, is have a life outside of your work. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make work your life. That uh, balance that, word. <laughs> have that balance. Yeah. I thought I had it, but then realised recently, no, I didn't. Have have interests, have hobbies out of work. Mm-hmm. Make that your priority. May, well, if you want to. It's up to you. Your choice. But... <laughs> Interests, hobbies, and time with your loved ones, whoever that might be, you know, your dogs, your cats, your, your partner, your friends, your family, 
just make time for um, those things, you know, that will, will help with um, balancing out that load. Uh, I think the other coping skills is uh, managing that, that load that you have with your work. Like I would do things differently. I'd have less clients per day. I wouldn't do yeah. six again, yeah. you know. I have psych friends who do eight a day. I have psych friends who do wow. four a day. Yeah, yeah. I, everyone's different. Find your threshold mm-hmm. and, and it's okay if it's three a day for you. Yeah. Just do you. And so for me, I go back, I would change that a bit. I would work differently. Um, so look at that's another way to cope is change things out, um, your workload uh, to suit your emotional load, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, So there's so many things I would do. And, and oh, my last little tip, <laughs> and I Love did it. this well. I, I, um, this one I will, and I think it was a saving grace in a lot of ways, um, is that being active and, and mm-hmm. I, like, just um, we say it to our, I, as a clinical psych, we say it to our clients, you know, mm-hmm. the importance of exercise, just being active. It doesn't have to look like, you know, flogging yourself at the gym. Yeah. Just um, exercise is good for our body um, and it helps with the emotional load, the mental load. Uh, so being active, eating healthy, you know, you have to be, again, mm-hmm. perfect, no such thing. I eat yeah. my sugar treats. <laughs> uh, but that, uh, you know, being active, eating healthy, uh, you know, that stuff is going to help sustain you as well. And and that's something that I had been doing um, in my 20s, hadn't been doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, 20s are for the mistakes. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, yeah, the, I, did a you know change around in my late twenties with that, and I really believe that that helped support me in coping through my post grad and my early career, um, having that very stable, consistent activity, yeah. eating you know my, my you know relatively well mm-hmm. um, balanced you know my ups and downs, but um, yeah, and that and and oh sorry, last tip. <laughs> speak out yeah sorry so many tips Um, I've learned a lot of lessons um hell uh reach out talk don't um if you're struggling don't keep that in Mm -hmm. um whether you see a psychologist yourself I certainly have I Mm -hmm. do um now but I have on and off throughout my career uh and and prior to my career but um they actually recommend that in postgrad you know um they realize you're a human too. Um, and so don't, don't keep it to yourself. It's okay. If you're struggling, um, speak out. That's why supervision can be great. But on top of that, go to therapy, talk to your loved ones. If you've got a, you know, someone you really trust Mm. and you can talk to about those things, do so. Yeah. It's, I, I didn't to start with, but that, but I did. Um, and, and it was so very, very helpful. That's yeah. good. What I love about your response to all of those questions was you can definitely tell you're a psychologist by the way that you respond, but it's also good advice to anyone, regardless of whether they're going into psychology, but just that mm-hmm. work-life balance, having self-compassion, having balance, staying active, putting your hand up, that's useful to anyone in any stage of life anywhere. So no, that's yeah. really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Very oh, good you're advice. welcome. Mm. And this one is a little bit more technical of a question. And to be honest, I don't know too much. So you might need to take the stage a little bit. But we had Uh a few people ask questions surrounding the different specialities of psychologists. So Uh could you touch upon what different areas people could go into? What are the differences between them? Maybe the pros or the cons and all Uh of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, like psychology is such a 
a springboard for a lot of areas mm. you can go into. You know, having an undergrad in psychology, oh god, you could you can go places <laughs> in lots of different fields. It's unbelievable. Uh, whether you end up and then you know psychology itself, like so, you can end up in a field other than psychology. And I can't, mm. like, I've got a mate who. Um, she did an undergrad in psychology, but she's now working in the mines, uh, wow. uh, operations, I think. I mean, yeah. she's not following psychology itself, but that it still allowed her to be employable in other fields, you know? Um, so, yeah, don't – basically that undergrad in psychology can, can take you places um, beyond it. But in terms of psychology itself, like at the moment, I think the field recognises 10 specialities. Wow. I could be wrong on that. There are things like, and I'm probably not going to remember all of them because no, clinical, yeah, clinical psychology is only one of them. Yes, right. it, it's the one you hear most about mainly because of the introduction of mental health treatment plans about 10 years ago now or 12 years ago. Yeah. It was 2008 the government uh, brought that initiative out um, where people could see a, a psychologist and get a Medicare rebate. So that yes. um, clinical psychology um, became popular as a result because the rebate to see a clinical psychologist is higher than a generalist psychologist, which mm -hmm. is... Another specialist, yeah. So anyway, that's a whole another kettle of fish. <laughs> but so we've got clinical psychology. There's community psychology. Uh, not being a community psychologist, so you know Don't the. Um, but you know they often are employed in in a lot of your community settings. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you'll find them probably in not-for-profit organisations and community psychologists might, who are listening might be cringing with me saying this, but <laughs> they'll know more. But, yeah. you know, maybe like Salvation Army and, and um, providing programs around uh, substance abuse and helping mm -hmm. people either prevent or overcome that and working with families. It might be uh, employed uh, in LGBTQI um, areas, you know, yeah. but they're very, um, or even crisis response in your, like your, um, uh, what am I thinking, you know, your natural disasters here in Australia, mm -hmm. which are huge, mm -hmm. you probably see your community psychologists. So just to um, give, you know, give examples and how they're kind of different. Mm -hmm. um, there's health psychology, which was a uh, health psychologist, which was an area I was tempted to to go to. Mm -hmm. So I know a little bit about that. They're um, more uh, uh, like looking at physical, again, hopefully I'm getting this right, but physical <laughs> health conditions and how they impact mental health. So they're kind That's of... That's interesting, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so often health psychologists end up employed in, um, you know, working with people with chronic pain, mm -hmm. uh, uh, probably even um, athletes and, and recovery uh, yeah. from injuries, that kind of thing. Um, and, and even in uh, in sort of things like uh, struggles with obesity and because um, mm -hmm. that's a, a huge focus of the government, so funding being put into that because of the health effects that, that the trickle yeah, effect yep. um, that has. So, yeah, there's health psychology. There's also forensic psychology, with Griffith, which Griffith University had a really great master's program, but mm. that got canned because of funding. Um, but that's looking at, you know, your, your offenders, um, so even uh, young offenders to, um, to, you know, all age groups, mm. uh, but um, supporting and helping people in, in, in that area. Um, yeah, so um, forensic psychology, child and adolescent psychology, obviously focusing on the young people. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. there's also 
Um, anyway, there's a, and I think there's our oh, developmental psychology, which is mm-hmm. across the lifespan um, that we do understand. A lot of research has gone and understand like the different developmental stages that humans go through and what yeah. to expect at each stage. Yeah. And so they're very interested in that and how that impacts a person's behaviour um, as, as well. Um, but I think I've covered some of them anyway. Yeah, like there's quite diverse. The problem currently in Australia, though, with those specialties is that we do not have the, uh, I just want to put this out to those who are studying Mm -hmm. or thinking about studying, there's not a lot of postgraduate programs uh, focused on those specialties. So getting Mm -hmm. training in those, getting adequate training and support to specialise those areas are hard. Pretty much unis are only offering clinical, uh, again, because of the whole government mental health treatment plan. That investigate, hopefully that will change. I know there's a lot of support within the current psychology community to to um, want for more of mm-hmm. that, more education in those different diverse uh, uh, avenues of psychology because we do need them. They all yeah, have value. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but um, hopefully it will shift and change. It's about educating our government and people making yeah. the policy. And there are there are psychologists doing that, you know, knocking down those doors and mm-hmm. providing that information. So hopefully we'll see change there. Is yeah, I'm crossing fingers for that. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I, feel like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you gave an amazing summary. And mm. uh, if someone was sitting here, they'd done their undergrad and they weren't sure which speciality they wanted to go into, mm. what advice mm. would you give them to working that out or what sort of questions should they be asking themselves to know the next steps? Mm. Yeah, well, I think one of them is, you know, certainly talking to, hopefully being able to find and talk to psychologists in those different areas, which your podcast is, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I know I'm just one one of those um, clinical side, but, you know, doing, um, you can find a lot of information out because I I think by asking those who are in the profession and by seeking that information out, like what does a health psychologist do, what do community sites Mm do, then listen to yourself and 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 see if that is something that interests you, that sparks you. Um, you know, so I'd be asking the question myself as I'm reading and you know finding out that information. Yeah. Going, okay, does this interest me? You know, mm-hmm. do I do I find this interest uh, you know, uh, avenue appealing? And if if you do, then yeah, go that angle and then find if there is the support out there, the employability of that profession that that. Uh, niche that area um that's another thing to consider because uh, that was one of the reasons I went rather than health yeah. I went clinical because the advice I was given from people that because that's what I did I talked to psychologists out there mm. practicing and they said look you know with the climate as it is now in terms of employability you'll be best to go down the clinical route which will allow you to do health psychology work anyway yeah. so that's the other thing you've got to consider is the employability of that area um, and whether there's education available or supervision available to be able to go down that route yeah. um, as well. Yeah, it's a bit confusing at the moment. Well, to be honest, it's a it's <laughs> in a state of flux and confusion. Yes. <laughs> Psychology at the moment in terms of uh, areas, I wish it was a lot more um, clear and a lot more available as well mm-hmm. so you can go into these different areas. Mm-hmm. So look, if you become a registered psych, you know, you can end up working in these different areas anyway, whether you get yeah. uh, do a master's in that area. Um, you, you know, I know a lot of psychologists, they're registered psychologists, but they work in community or they work in health. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can still 
yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. work in that area. Um, you can become a clinical psych, but still be health focused. You yeah. know, I certainly worked with people with chronic pain and people with struggles with weight and. Wow. Um, yeah, I still got to do my health psychology bit, but within uh, my work as clean so I could stay employable, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. No, that makes sense and a good thing to think about. I feel like people don't usually yeah. like to think about kind of the money aspect or the employability, yeah. but it is important to keep in the back yeah. of your mind. And it's encouraging to know that regardless of if you can maybe, yeah. if regardless of if you can or can't do that further study, you can kind of end up in that field anyway. Yeah. If you just choose oh, definitely. different places. Yeah. Just, yeah, become a registered psych, you know, follow the avenue and there's lots of options now with you know you go down the postgrad route which actually I would recommend if you can yeah. go down the postgrad route <laughs> um I believe there's still the supervised in in practice available mm-hmm. um and ju- you know once you're registered you, your world's your oyster in terms of practicing so Love you it. could go into community health whatever you know, can end up working in the hospitals end yeah. up working in the Salvation Army like so as cool. a you know, example yeah. of community yeah. yeah or in the prisons you know if that's your yes, thing um wow. Yeah, I've got a lot of psychs I know who work in the prisons and, and they, you know, it baffles me, but they love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it's it, it's hard, you know, they're human too, but they they really um, get a lot of, uh, again, it's an interest for them. You know, yeah. they, they it really connects with their person. Yeah, that so they love so it. Cool. And mm. on a similar, similar note, similar, similar, mm. similar note, don't know why I said that twice, um, someone mm. simply asked, would it be worth taking the extra step and doing psychiatry? Mm. Mm. Well, psychiatry is a, 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 a like totally different yeah. step. Um, this is where it gets, and I'm not sure with your, um, your social media following and your listeners, but that psychiatry, you actually do medicine. Yes. So um, you actually do medicine first. And I know that's changed only through my sister. I know that that uh, how you go about getting um, you know, your degree um, with medicine is a bit different these days. But you, to become a psychiatrist, you do you, you follow that route and then you specialise in psychiatry. Um, so you don't – an undergrad in psychology is not going to – Yeah. actually, it might, it might help you springboard, but you still have to do that post-grad medicine or something yeah. then. Yeah, so – Crazy not just. Yeah, but like, so you wouldn't get your honours in psychology and then there's a postgrad in um, like under the psychology umbrella for psychiatry. Mm. It'd be medicine then psychiatry in some ways. Um, I don't know how all that works because psychiatrists, yeah, they're medical doctors, you know, mm. they're, they're actual doctors who have decided to specialise in mental health. And like like a doctor, a um, person graduating from medicine can decide to specialise in oncology or... Yes. Um, yeah, that kind of... That's how I explain it to my clients who are confused or anyone yeah. who's confused about the difference. Um, so, yeah, just to be clear on that. Um, but your question was... Sorry, just bring me back your question. Um, Would like, it be what, worth taking the extra step and doing psychiatry? That look, question? it depends. Yeah, yeah, look, it depends on your interests. You know, I've worked alongside a lot of psychiatrists um, over my time because often, you know, you, you do work, um, you know, with a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and, and it's important to do so because as a psychologist, some of your clients will need to be medicated yeah. um, or will be using medication as part of their therapy. And, and psychologists, we're not trained. We understand what medication yeah. might be needed for different mental health disorders, but we are not, um, we do not prescribe and we do not have the medical knowledge because that's why medicine is important to do because they'll have the understanding of the body in, in a way that we don't, yeah. um, that we're not taught. We 
psychology is the study of human behavior. Mm-hmm. So we understand the body and mind in terms of how that influences our behavior and, and what influences behavior outside of that. But doctors, obviously, different kettle of fish. They under, yeah. under, understand the physiology. So, look, if that interests you um, and... Uh, and with psychiatry, I know a lot of psychiatrists who then get trained. This is outside of their degree. Mm-hmm. They get trained in psychotherapy. So they learn um, different behavioral therapies that psychologists yeah. do. They learn that and then they combine them both. So they have the medical knowledge and can prescribe and they can also do the prescribed psychotherapy. Yeah. Um, like I remember working with this one bloke, which uh, <laughs> it's such an eccentric dude, but he, he, um, he just encapsulated what I loved about uh, what I loved about some psychiatrists, where he he had the medical knowledge, uh, he prescribed where need be, but he also tra- got training in this therapy called acceptance commitment therapy, which is the therapy yeah. I predominantly use. And he, you know, he developed a practice all around that and employs psychologists and psychiatrists, and so he combines the two. And we know that that's the best medicine for some of our clients is the combination of both. Yeah. So, look, so psychiatrists, you can still do psychotherapy as well, but you'll have the added advantage of that medical knowledge and and that could be phenomenal for your client. Mm. Um, but, look, the training will only give you the training. In, my understanding, psychiatry will only give you the training in the medical side. The therapy side, the psychotherapy side will be up to you yeah. um, to get that added training, um, which a lot of psychiatrists choose to do, which is great. Yeah. Or they refer to psychologists like me to do that work. (laughs) Either way, it's a win-win for the client and that's what matters. It it really comes down to what you're interested in, Mm -hmm. but you'll be able to help out people with mental health either way, like just in different ways. So I guess it just depends what you enjoy more. Are you interested in the medicine body aspect or are you interested in the behavior science talking with people? Yeah. And and I always joke with this, and I'm not sure if this is true, but psychiatrists earn more. Um, yeah. <laughs> not that it should come down to that, but, hey, we're all different creatures and, and it's okay true. if that's what is important to you. Um, psychiatrists certainly at the moment, my understanding is, you know, there's certainly more potential for earning there um, and there's no logical reason for that. Yeah. It just is. Special, medical specialists do get paid more yeah. than um, allied health and psychologists are allied health professionals and, you know, generally allied health professionals don't get paid anywhere near um, mm. as uh, specialists in medical fields. But I could have that wrong and someone might, you know. Don't know. Don't know. I wouldn't know. Um, well, thank you very much for that summary. I feel like that's a really good overview. And I am uh-huh. conscious of the time. So we'll just do a few rapid fire questions, answer Ooh. in like one or two words. They can about okay. these ones. And then Ooh, we'll almost be done. <laughs> I believe in you. So oh. what is the most rewarding aspect of your job? Uh seeing change in clients you Love know for the better yeah, yep. yeah. cool <laughs> good job mm-hmm. and what about the most challenging not seeing the change <laughs> seeing their suffering yeah. yeah oh that's tough and what oh. do you believe is the most important quality for a psychologist to have mm, uh, compassion mm-hmm. uh and not for self i mean for others uh, and compassion just to, it means non-judgment. Like you accept the person for who they are. Um, whether you, you, I don't mean accept meaning 
that you have to be okay with the behaviors yes. that they might be choosing. I just mean they're, they're human too. Yeah. They've been born into this world, innocent and um, new, you know, fresh and things have mm-hmm. happened to them. So yeah, compassion for others. If um, I'm not saying I'm completely compassionate. I have my moments, but just enough of that because you're going to need a compassion for others to be able to work with people. Yeah. Because they're not perfect. Yes, of course. No, that makes sense. It's a good one. Do you also think, and we haven't really talked about this much, but do you need to be a very good listener? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And not active. They call it, I'll leave it up to your listeners to look this up, active listening. Listening, It's different to listening. Passive listening, isn't that the other one? Yeah. Listening, passive listening, active listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, active listening. So they'll teach you that. Don't worry. They'll yeah. teach you that. They'll help you hone that Something skill. Something to look it's forward teachable. to. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And finally, was there anything else you wanted to mention that I hadn't touched on or you thought there wasn't something that we had discussed yet? Hmm. I really feel like we've covered everything through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great questions mm-hmm. to really help draw out that information. No, mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's anything else. I just like my parting words would just take care of yourself yeah um it's how i actually end most of my um emails take care and yes, i mean it love that. yeah take care of yourself yeah that's okay. yeah that's all and i mean that whatever career you go into just take mm-hmm. care it's life <laughs> it's true yeah. it's true um, and then to conclude and you can say take care again if you'd like but i always <laughs> love to ask if you could go back and give your 15 year old self one piece mm-hmm. of advice what would it be Oh, my brain just said to me, believe in yourself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, believe in you. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, just believe you anyway. Yeah, fake it till you yeah. make it. Yeah, have well, yeah, and and believe, in, believe yourself. in yourself till you make it. Yeah, like, that's true. You know, you don't have to have the evidence, just believe in yourself. You know, you will fall, you will fail, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. It's just life, you know, just believe in yeah. yourself. You know, keep going one step in front of the other two steps backwards just make another step when you can (laughs) no so beautiful well thank you so so much for today I really enjoyed it I know it answered lots of questions but it was just also engaging and beautiful and I think regardless of if people are interested in psychology a lot of the tips you gave to just take care of yourself and ways to find balance was super helpful so thank you so much for sharing everything today well thank you so much for having me too Talia it was my absolute pleasure and yeah yeah thank you amazing thank you Wowie, that was an amazing conversation. I, We covered a lot. We covered a lot of different topics, a lot of different grounds. And I really hope that if you are interested in being a psychologist, if you were interested, maybe it's, maybe it's showing you that the career isn't for you, but I hope that it's done the opposite. And I hope it's made you so excited for your future. I hope it's given you a lot of peace and a lot of clarity around what the next few years of the huge process of psychology might look like. Maybe you have started your undergrad in psychology and you don't know exactly what different field or specification, specialization that you want to go into. And so that'll be helpful for you in that sense as well. Every week I interview a different career and a different person from a different industry to try to get answers. So if you are unsure about what your future looks like, you should definitely follow along with the Good Luck Charlie podcast. And I hope that it provides you with some clarity and some answers in the future about what industry you want to be involved with. If you know someone who may be interested in being a psychologist or someone who you think would make an amazing psychologist, you actually 
by law, owe it to them to send them this episode. And I'm actually going to give you 20 seconds of silence right now to send this episode to them and say, I hope you enjoy. Okay, so 20 seconds starting now. I had a coffee before I recorded this. Can you tell? Anyway, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay, 20 seconds over, kind of. I didn't say one Mississippi, so it was a fast 20 seconds, but thank you for sending that to someone you know. I'm sure they will appreciate it and I appreciate it as well. Again, if you are interested in a little bit more, you can follow at goodluck underscore charliepod on Instagram. You can recommend different careers you want to interview or even ask specific questions that you want to have answered and a whole range of things. So that will be super helpful for you as well. Otherwise, that is all for me for now. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you endlessly to Shannon. That was amazing. And I hope you have a fabulous week. Au revoir, everybody. Good luck, Charlie. Bye. Good luck, Charlie.